Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 28th day of March 2014, and today we are reading from the big book. We're in the chapter, More About Alcoholism, and we are on page 40. We are going to begin reading with the paragraph, We Heard No More of Fred, which is the first paragraph, and we're going to read the first two paragraphs. And today's readers are 12 Steps, Susie K., 12 Traditions, Liz S., Sharon R.S., Lauren S., Hoodie, and Kim. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 27th day of March, is 6097. 6097. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Susie Kay to please read the 12 steps. Star one to unmute, Susie. Susie Kay, can you read the 12 steps, please? Monica, I can do this. This is Melanie. Okay. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling in from Washington State. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. I will now ask Liz S. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Liz S. Can you hear me? I sure can. Go ahead. Great. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Pass. Thank you, Liz. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery, described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute and once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 40 and we're beginning with the first paragraph. We heard no more of Fred. We are reading two paragraphs and the discussion will be on the second paragraph. And Sharon R.S., would you read please? Absolutely, Monica. Good morning and thank you and good morning to 
all of the visionaries on the phone. I'm Sharon, and I am a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. We heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. This time he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. The story he told us is most instructive, for here was a chap absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment and determination in all his other concerns, yet was flat on his back nevertheless. Let him tell you more about it. I was most impressed with what you fellows had said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink, but I was confident I could not, it could not happen to me after what I had learned. I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I had been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, and that I would therefore be successful where you men failed. I felt I had every right to be self-confident, that it would be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. So here we have a real-life story of what is described on page 30 when we entered this chapter where it says that most of, most of us are unwilling to admit that we were real alcoholics or in our case, compulsive overeaters. I know that I was in that category. I was in the rooms for years, years. It seems rather ridiculous that you would sit in the rooms of OA for years, struggling to admit that you were an alcoholic. Why was I there for years? Well, because there was something there where I felt at home because people in the rooms did what I did. And I know, knew that there was no other place that was like that. I knew that in the rooms I got some comfort. If I did some of these things, I got a little peace. But I still struggled to admit that I was a real compulsive overeater, and therefore I could not recover. And you would be amazed to know that that went on for 10 long years. For 10 years in the rooms, I played the game that Fred played. And it says here, countless vain attempts, reading from page 30, to prove we could drink like other people. And there was Fred. He thought that he was cured. He thought that it was, if just thinking of it would make it okay, that he did not have to admit that he was like uh, these other fellows who had to go through through these extraordinary means to stay recovered. He thought that just by admitting who he was, similar to me, I, I, I knew I was one of you, and I sat in the room and never really did what you had to do to stay recovered. It says that his drinking is the great obsession of every, uh, that um, 
the idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinking drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Isn't, aren't we all astonished at this Fred guy? What a wacko. What a wacko. We can look, we can read his story. We can see how crazy he looks. But in ourselves, in our own minds, we cannot see our own insanity. We have difficulty accepting it. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. For me, I was out of options. Either it was accept this program of action, accept what you presented to me, or I knew it was over. My life as I knew it. I could never have the life I dreamed of as long as I did not accept that I was a real compulsive overeater. I mean, I could not take one bite. I cannot take one bite. I'm so bad, I have to even stay away from anything that would even lead to the thought of one bite. I have to go through extraordinary measures because I have an extraordinary addiction. And this addiction is, leads, is messes with my mind. I can't even think clear about the disease that I have. It is very difficult to overcome this addiction. But the first step is accepting that we have it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone like to um, share on this paragraph, on the second paragraph? Sarah. Sarah. Go ahead, Sarah. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision, for you, and good morning, all the newcomers. I welcome you to our wonderful meeting. Um, I, I just wanted to talk about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink. And um, I know there's that little interim of time where I start to think about it, or I have started to think about it. And it's in that time that I can ask God to help me. And that, or divert, divert my behavior. Once I'm aware of what my, what my problem is, um, and, and I, I can see a lot of ego, you know, as I have had in my um, ism part of my disease, you know, my I self and me. Uh, you know, the, the idea that I can control, that, you know, I don't want anybody to know that, you know, I'm capable of doing this myself, that self-sufficiency, that's, you know, that, you know, it's like the, you know, I heard a long time ago in the rooms, you know, you know, uh, an, an alcoholic is a, a, a person who uh, has an inferiority complex but a huge ego. You know, it's like, you know, I, I feel myself so confident at times and, and boastful, and yet at the other times I'm so insecure. And I guess, you know, he's, he's saying I felt I had every right to be self-confident. You know, there's a lot of ego in his, in his thinking in this. And I think that's, you know, that delusion of that we can control this, that we can, via our rationalization, our intelligence, are capable of, of changing this. You know, 
most of us don't want to walk in these rooms, as other people have said. You know, this is not a sexy or pretty disease. This is not something I go, I'm so proud of the fact that I'm a glutton, you know, that I can't control myself around food. And there's so many messages in, in, in our society about being overweight, about uh, not being controlled in the way we eat. You know, people make fun of it all the time as far as, you know, uh, uh, comedians and and, and um, you know it, it's such a stigma uh, and, and so it's difficult to come to the place where you say you know I am a real compulsive overeater I cannot control my behaviors around food I cannot control myself around certain food items so I think it's just you know that has to be smashed the idea that I'm going to live a compulsive overeater I'm going to die a compulsive overeater, but the question is, do I want to die of my compulsive overeating, of the effects that it will have on me? And for me, you know, thank you, God, I do not want to do that, so I'm willing to go to any length to get what I need to do, which is working the steps and smashing the delusions that I can eat like other people and continue to work the program to the best of my ability. And thank you all for being here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph, on the second paragraph that was read? Kim, Cheryl, Larry. Kim, Cheryl, Larry. Okay, go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I felt I had every right to be self-confident, but it would the only be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. I mean, this is critical. This is critical. I mean, that's what I thought OA was. You know, if you had asked me in the first 10 years that I was in OA, what is, what is the OA program? What does that mean? Well, we have, this, we have a food plan we have to follow. I attend three meetings a week. I make three phone calls a day. I avoid my triggers. Um, people, places, and things that trigger me, I need to avoid. Um, and when I really want to eat, I either go to a meeting or I call someone so that I can feel comfortable enough so that I don't eat today. That would have been my description of Overeaters Anonymous. And what I just described is how can I get my willpower and how can I keep on guard so I don't pick up. And I'll tell you, that worked for a while. That worked for you know, quite a few years, actually. But my disease continued to progress. So what does what does the program mean? What are what are we? Why are we in a twelve step program? I'm in a twelve step program because I am incapable of not picking up that first bite. Step one tells me not that I can't eat. Step one tells me I am going to eat. And why am I going to eat? I'm going to eat because I have this allergy of the body that I am biologically mandated to ingest more and more and more if I participate in those foods or those food behaviors. And the worst part is I have this obsession of the mind, no matter how much evidence is piled against me about the fact that I cannot eat these certain substances, I have a mental blank spot that's going to convince me to go back. So exercising my willpower and keeping on guard is not sufficient. It's not sufficient for me to stay sober, for me to stay abstinent. So what is? I have to have what this book describes as a personality change, a psychic change, a spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience sufficient to bring about recovery. So what I do is I come to the conclusion that I am powerless. 
And that propels me to step two, which is the conclusion I need a power. And that conclusion of step two propels me to make a decision to take some action to clear away all the blocks between me and that higher power. Because the only shot I have is to get a connection with a higher power. And that higher power will remove my obsession. And because of the removal of that obsession, I will not want to pick up my binge food. That is the miracle of OA. I thought the miracle of OA was if I did these disciplines, that I would go to bed at night exhausted, having done enough tools and utilized the fellowship and kept myself frightened enough that I could go to bed exhausted, having beat the beast one more day. My experience as a recovered woman, having worked these 12 steps, is that I do not want to eat my binge foods. I go through the day connected to a higher power, asking how I can be useful to my fellows and to God. And I go to bed sometimes tired because working this program is not convenient. But I feel light and I feel happy and I feel joyous. So if we're asking, you know, what does the OA program mean? What does that mean to be a recovered woman? These are the things that happen after my experience, after steps one through nine. Asking myself, am I actively working step ten? How many step tens did I do today? How many times did I look for where I am selfish, dishonest, resentful, and fearful? Do I have a step eleven practice? What is my practice in the morning? What is my practice in the evening? And how do I pause throughout the day to make sure that I'm staying connected to that higher power? And what is that step 12? Have I had that spiritual awakening? Is there stuff in the earlier steps that I'm not feeling that connection that I have to dig into? You know, am I working with others? And that doesn't mean how many sponsees do I have. It means am I going to meetings and running out if there's newcomers and people that need to talk to? Am I ignoring the new people and just hanging out socially with the girls in the meeting? Am I returning phone calls in a timely manner so that people can hear this message? When I am on the phone calls, am I just talking socially or am I making sure that I'm talking recovery? Am I have, do I have a balance of recovered people in my life that are helping me because I can't trust my mind? And am I talking to people that are new so I can continue to get deeper into this book? And am I practicing these principles in all my affairs? Am I being nice to the people on a vision for you from 7 to 8 in the morning and then going into my office and by 9 o'clock I'm screaming and shouting and yelling at people and giving people the finger because they're cutting me off in traffic? That's what program is. What is it like to live a life of Overeaters Anonymous? It doesn't have to do with how many meetings I went to, how many phone calls I made, what my food plan is, how am I keeping on guard, how am I exercising self-will? It is saying, how am I living in the sunlight of the spirit? And I'm just going to end because that living on guard and that self-will is a recipe for relapse. If I'm going to read from page 15, what Bill Wilson tells us what his life light was like when, after he had a white light experience. He said, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. For us, it is just like that. And I think Fred is about to find out that same lesson. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Cheryl, you're up. Hi, this is Cheryl R. from Virginia. And yes, beating back the beast indeed. Um, I've been that subtle insanity. 
um, the proceeds first rank. I, I, I had that happen yesterday. Um, uh, and thank God, because of doing vision for you, um, I, I, I realize what a miracle is that I uh, came out of it without overeating. I had to go to my doctor's yesterday, and um, and they weighed me, and I was not where I thought I should be. And I was really ticked off about it, really furious. But that pause when agitated or doubtful, um, it came a little late. wasn't was my first instinct. I, I was upset for a while. But I realized, um, and because I've now worked the full 12 steps, you know, this is the personality thing um, that, again, it's the obsession of the mind and allergy of the body. But that obsession of the mind is just not with food. It's it's with controlling how things should be, how, how things should look. And it's not going to be that that we're perfect but 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 the change the psychic change says you know this is not workable this is not adult you know if i indulge in certain behaviors so um you know because that self-confidence that it talks about here of of um exercising my willpower no good you know no no good at all and so i had to do the things um yesterday that that kept uh from having that first bite even you know even be a reality and and part of my mind was going well what difference does it make i'm not where i am blah 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 like that and then there's this other voice saying be quiet <laughs> you know just be quiet and 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 do what you need to do and so um i find the story of fred so valuable because this subtle insanity um it really is and 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 it's just i'll, I'll close with this it's just like so often in in films you think the the hero of the story has had the big battle, and then there's just that one more thing, you know, where the villain comes up one more time. And for us, that unfortunately happens on a daily basis. So we have to be vigilant and doing all the things um, that that uh, keep us on that path because um, the self confidence just ain't gonna do it. So thank you so much for everyone being here. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Cheryl. And Larry, you're up. Good morning, uh, Monica. Thanks for your service. Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, yeah, no, this this is good to learn about Fred. You know, um, it, it says again. I mean, he's he's being um, just like me. You know, I can really identify with this. You know, he's he's contemplating. He's thinking about. You know, okay, I'm learning about my alcoholic mind, my condition, and. Um, and like other conditions in my life, if I just apply myself, you know, um, perhaps I can I can overcome this this condition. And you know, the disease is is tightening, and we'll we'll learn that it, it it's going to tighten its noose around his neck. And um and and that's what it did for me as well. So you know, it says here, you know, he reasoned. He said, look, I'm not so far advanced as some of you guys, and 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 I've been usually successful at licking my other personal problems. So, you know, I, I, maybe I'll be successful where you failed. You know, if you come into the the program, my experience is that you know, three, four, hundred pounds there right now. Naturally, your primary thought is going to be about the physical recovery. You know, the physical aspects of recovery. You know, but but the thing is, is that that for me, um, that always took me away from from the primary. You know, I because again, that was something that I apply. If I could apply my thinking to to focusing on this, you know, I'll take off the weight, and everything will be better. 
But again, we learn and we know with this, we, we have a problem with living. That's just symptomatic. The fat for me kept other people away from me. You know, it's just symptomatic, and yet it really seemed to be the primary problem. So what happens when, when the application of our willpower is simply not enough? Because, you know, if, if we believe that we're sort of the captains of our souls, you know, what happens when, when our rudder, you know, seems to be like disconnected and powerless? That's what I found. You know, what, what, what happens when the little engine can't? You know, when our will fails us? There's a, la- a lapse in our resolve. And, and for me, you know, early on, I just tried to white knuckle and apply more of my, <clears throat> my self-will. You know, to maybe a little more, <clears throat> a little more engine power. That's that's what it would be. But the, the fact is, sometimes our willpower and our resolve are not enough, and then you know we become disheartened, we lose our motivation, and we lose control. You know, and then again, and we you know, and then we come into thinking that we can do anything if we put our mind to it. But see, again, like it was said, I have an allergy to the body. I have an obsession of the mind. And I had to get really clear on, on, on my powerlessness because I would not, nor do I believe if I've seen anybody work these steps thoroughly, apply themselves as long as they think, as long as they have any lurking notion whatsoever that they could do this themselves or do it maybe partly. Maybe God, my higher power will do part of it and I'll do part of it. No, it was 100% God. That's why I don't want the food today and I don't think about it and I don't struggle and I treat people better and I'm a better dad and all that stuff. I didn't do that for myself. It was 100% God. But the paradox was, what did I do? Something very, very simple. I just worked the steps. And as a result of working the steps, there was no magic in that. See, I worked the steps, and I had a spiritual awakening. I, I clearly know that now. And, and you know, and, and so for Fred, he was still at that contemplation stage, and sometimes people will spend a lifetime or they'll go to their grave in the quicksand, and eventually the quicksand will envelope them and will take them down. You know, but it doesn't have to be that way. And thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous that I learned it doesn't have to be that way. My life is so much better. <clears throat> this program is about change. It is not about weight loss. It is about changing. You know, am I brainwashed? You betcha. My brain needed a lot of washing. You know, I'm still me at the core, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a different person. God did that for me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Leah. Go ahead, Go ahead Bella, and then Leah. Hiya. Hiya. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, it's a very empowering paragraph. And, <clears throat> sorry, and the word that now jumped in front of my eyes is power. Yes, this disease is all about the power. It's the ego. It's about the ego, the power of the ego. And, yes, we see in the f- first step, 
we accept and admit that we are powerless. What do you mean to say? You mean to say that I am a powerless person, that I don't have power? Well, I know that I live a pretty normal life, and I am a pretty smart lady. I am not the smartest, but I am not the less smart person. And yes, I have a certain kind of self-confidence, and you want to tell me that I don't have power, that I don't know how to control my eating? Okay, so now I know that I have an allergy in the body. And so, okay, I will not take my trigger food. I know that I have the obsession in the mind, so I will only exercise my mind. But one thing I didn't know before I came to the program, that my disease is also lack in spiritual thinking. Yes, either I have the power or I don't have the power, and I don't want to accept that I don't have the power. So here I go. Yes, I can control the food. I can control my life. I have the power. Thank you, God. I am now in the program, and I know that <clears throat> that my disease is when I am not connected to God. Yes, I want to be connected to God. It's nothing to do exercising my mind or to be in God of eating my trigger food. It's all about my connection to God. And yes, I have, I, 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 I am thankful can say that I have one power and it's a wonderful, strong power, the power to do the right choice one day at a time. Yes, and today, now I am choosing to be connected to God and to give over God's message for me and not mine. Today I have the power to choose why I am eating. I, 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 am, I am running to the food because I feel certain feeling or I need to eat because I have to be on service to do God's message that I have to give over. Uh, today I have the right choice to choose if I want to eat my trigger food and to live miserable or to eat the food that makes me happy and excited and to do God's service and not mine. And today I, am, I, I have the right choice to say, yes, I am a happy human, I have my limitations, and I don't have the power to run my life. I give it over completely to the care of God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Leah. Thanks so much, Monica, for your service. Good morning, everybody. I'm Leah M., Recovered Compulsible Reader. I was confident it could not happen to me after what I had learned, that I had usually been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, and I would therefore be successful where you men sailed. Um, you know, this is a recipe for disaster. This is me, myself, and I, and... Uh, you know, me, myself, and I is no match for the obsession of the mind. This is a nasty brew here that uh, Fred's stirring up. 
And it's a nasty brew of uh, pride. It's a nasty brew of, you know, arrogance, of, of self-sufficiency, of self-reliance, of, you know, I can beat this thing. You know, I, I'm entitled to beat this thing. I've beat other things. Um, you know, I, I certainly can, can lick this one. But, you know, we're dealing with addiction here. And, and addiction um, is, you know, a beast of a different color. Me, myself, and I is no match for for uh, the obsession of the mind. I mean, you know, perhaps Fred and others like you and I, you know, perhaps we can have some temporary respite. You know, perhaps we can kick for a while. But this is not about kicking for a while. This is not about uh, temporary respite. You know, this is about salvation. <laughs> this is about being relieved of the obsession of the mind that it's driven out. I mean, you know, I have to experience my powerlessness so that it becomes the launching pad of desperation to seek and find a power. That, that, what is the purpose of all our steps? The purpose of all our steps comes from the first step. We admitted we were powerless over food, that life had become unmanageable. Lack of power is my dilemma. In order to understand the rest of the program, I always have to go back to powerlessness. That's the heart of my program, and it's the doorway into a spiritual way of life. You know, if I'm going to survive, if, if Mr. Fred here is going to survive, he's going to have to find a power other than himself or any other human source. At least that was true for me. You know, I had to reconsider or die my human resources as marshaled by the will, which is all about keeping on guard, you know, marshaled by the will. You know, if I do enough, if I am enough, if I accomplish enough, I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to keep on guard. But it was my experience through the progression of this disease and, uh, you know, finding myself in madness and mayhem at a very young age, um, you know, that my human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. I have a gangrene of the spirit. I had a cancer of the soul. This was nothing that I could heal. This was something that the divine surgeon had to, had to get into because I was suffering from a disease which only a spiritual experience was going to conquer. You know, we talk about spiritual awakening. What is spiritual awakening? That's the purpose of these whole, you know, of all these steps is to have a spiritual awakening, a psychic change, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. The result of a spiritual awakening is a change. It's, it's a change in the way I think. It's a change in the way I feel and especially a change in the way I behave. And what distinguishes the 12-step process from self-help programs is that this change is done to us, not by us. Because of the step process, uh, at least my experiences, is that there was a natural progression of turning me inside out from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. But I had to admit <laughs> that lack of power was my dilemma. When I, when I experience, you know, when I stopped resisting, God revealed himself. 
God came through the wound and through the process of these steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Haya, you're up. Hi, everybody. Thanks, Monica. Hi, this is Haya, grateful, recovered, compulsive eater, and bulimic from Denver, Colorado, back in Denver, Colorado. Hello to all my new friends in Israel that I met while I was there. Um, You know, I'm going to just read that same sentence. Um, I had felt I had every right to be self-confident. That would only be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. And I think to some degree, um, you know, Fred is arrogant and and stubborn, but also ignorant um, in that, um, you know, I think that these these examples of the people they're giving us is trying to hit home, um, you know, the reality of this disease if you're a real compulsive eater. And here's the the good news is if you're a real compulsive eater, we have a solution right here. Um, The bad news is if you're a real compulsive eater and you don't identify in with these stories, um, the food will teach you. You know, that's my experience. The food will teach me. (laughs) Um, The food is a very, very good motivator, meaning look what happened to Fred, right? He they said we the paragraph before we heard no more of Fred for a while, right? Because you know he he just wasn't he was interested he had some symptoms but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself, and um, you know that self knowledge that just what he had learned was enough to have human power um, help him. But then it says you know we heard no more of Fred for a while, and then about a year later. You know, he emerged uh, back in the hospital, flat on his back, desperate, um, because the the alcohol taught him. The alcohol uh, brought him down. And, um, you know, what I was thinking as people were sharing is how this book was written, you know, many, many years ago when, you know, it was the, it was the sponsor, right? It was the, it was what was disseminated around the country and then the world to, um, to, to educate people about what this disease is and, and to help those alcoholics um, that needed help to recover. Today, you know, fast forward, you know, many decades now, we have so much information. We have so much um, uh, at our fingertips um, that tells us about addiction and about the, the demise, um, you know, that we are doomed doomed to uh, experience if we are truly a, a real compulsive eater, that is, when we eat certain foods, we cannot control the amount we have, and when we stop eating them, we cannot control staying stopped, you know, then I'm a real compulsive eater, and I am. Um, and we have all this information today that hopefully people can identify in with. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you are a real compulsive eater, Either the book will teach you and you'll work these steps to recover and get, gain access to the power that can restore you um, and recover, you know, bring you to a place called recovered, or the food will. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Haya. And this is Monica, and I'm going to jump in here for a second. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And what was pointed out to me in this paragraph that was, there were 11 eyes. I, 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 me, myself, and I. And the paragraph before the last few words was, yet he was flat on his back, nevertheless. So he's telling us here uh, what he was thinking, what uh, was going through his head, you know, I, I, I. 
um, I can do this. I now understand that. I, I know I'm a com- I believe that I am a compulsive all reader and I'd like to stop eating and you've told me all this stuff and but yeah there's a little bit there I don't know I don't think I'm quite as bad as you are, guys are so he he was at a level where you know it's he still thinks he can do it and he's comparing he's comparing himself not identifying and what happens is you know he's flat on his back he's in the hospital again um and you know, in other in other areas of his life, he's real. He's you know, he's he's things are good. Things are good. But in this area, he's absolutely powerless. And that's what he's coming to finally. He's going to finally come to realize that he is absolutely one hundred percent powerless here. So let's move on to the next paragraph. And Lauren, would you read that, please? Oh, okay. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, a recovered compulsive reader. In this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time, all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter. One day, I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell, so there was nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. Okay. All right. Um, I see Bill putting this story in here to teach, to show a lesson, to show us all that um, there's going to be people, and it was their experience that they did not have the sole reason to pick up. There wasn't any reason. It was just a, they had a comfortable life. And Bill's going to say, all right, you 25, 30% of the, 10% of the pie chunk, I'm going to throw in a story about Fred to help you guys. You know, I want to reach everybody. When Bill says, I had been making too hard work of a simple matter, I have written here, just being sober never kept me sober. And um, that's been pounded out on, on these these pages, luckily. And lastly, what I found was helpful is, is, is replacing the words to fit my own story and that way if I'm reading this text with a with somebody struggling I can tell them okay so you might not have went about your business but did you go about your studies did you have no trouble refusing bites did you one day go for an exam to present some learned material to your professor and you had been in class giving this kind of exam before and it went off well, and you knew your students and professor would be pleased too. But then down the road, ugh, you know, desserts, room, convenience store, town, first bite, swapping cookies for carrot sticks. I mean, ugh, I just love, love turning this book into 
my own, like, guide for living, my own education manual, my own science experiment book. It's it's catered to Lauren Saggio from Pittsburgh because that's that's just uh, being an addict. I that's what I need to do. Okay, thank you very much. I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. And would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Sally. Sharon in Colorado. All right. Sally and then Sharon. Thank you, Monica. This is Sally, Recovered Compulsive Reader in South Jersey. In this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time, all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter. So it sounds like he's having some dieting success here, and he's um, sworn off, and he's had some success. He's rethinking at this point. Maybe I was making a big deal out of something that really was a simple matter. One day I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I don't know about you guys, but it sounds an awful lot like he went to Washington on accounting evidence to present accounting evidence. It sounds like the IRS, an audit to me. Some accounting evidence to a government bureau. Now, I don't know about you, but me personally, I would rather go to the dentist and have a double root canal than go and deal with accounting evidence for a government bureau. So what I see in this sentence is restless, irritable, and scared. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell. This is the only place in the book that I've ever found that talks about anything that looks like dry drunk. So he's dry, and he's done you know, something scary like go out of town, maybe not something quite like this. But he had, he's done this before. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell. So there was nothing new about this. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. Sounds pretty good. We're preparing for a storm that's about to happen in this next paragraph. Before I end, I would just like to say, page 64, very, very important sentence here at the bottom of 64. It says here, we have been spiritually sick. I'm sorry, let me back up a little bit. It destroys, resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From its stem, all forms of spiritual disease. For we have been, here's my point, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. I find this to be more and more true for myself. The more and more I understand that it's about having a sick relationship with food for so many years, as opposed to having a healthy relationship with my higher power and everything else falls in place. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. And Sharon, you're up. 
star one to unmute. Thank Sharon. you, Monica. Okay, this is uh, Sharon, Colorado, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, boy, this is such an amazing paragraph because, first of all, Fred's back in the hospital, flat on his back, and they come and talk to him, and he he listens, but then he goes down and says, well, I felt I had every right to be self-confident, that it would be only a matter of ex- exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. In this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time, all was well. He went to, you know, did this business out of town, and he was pleased with himself, and and it was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. And just like Leah stated earlier, this was an absolute recipe for disaster because he could not see the truth about himself. And when I go over to page 68, it says, we asked ourselves why we had these fears. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. And when it made us cocky, it was worse. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns, and just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity. And I just, um, you know, it's like warning, 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 red flag, red flag. Um, You know, arrogance, defiance, self-reliance. Self-confidence, all self, self, self. And, you know, there's somewhere in this book where it says defiance is the outstanding characteristic of every alcoholic compulsive overeater. And that was my problem. I truly believed I was going to be able to lick, lick this addiction in my own strength and what a price I paid and how many people I hurt along the way. So I am so grateful to be here today and to know that um, I cannot rely on myself bottom line. I must rely on infinite God rather than my puny, finite self. And that's the beginning of recovery and staying recovered one day at a time for me and for everyone else out there on the line if we work through these steps diligently and vigilantly. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, Sharon. And we've got about one minute left. Would anyone like to uh, give a quickie here? Okay, well, this is Monica, and I'll, I can yank for a minute for sure. <laughs> okay, we're hearing more and more eyes here. And in this frame of mind, so he's, he's sober. He's sober here. He's been sober. Things have been going well. And all of a sudden, you know, things are well. Everything went well for him. But yet again, he picked up again. You know, that subtle insanity that subtle, that sly, elusive, clever, devious thought. It can come whether things are going bad or it, it's there when everything is honky-dory for us. How many times was everything going well? Monica's on a new diet. I'm losing weight. Hey, I think I got this figured out. I'm doing good here. And then the next thing I knew, it was like, how in the world did this happen again? And that's the whole purpose of this chapter, is 
to let me, to inform me, teach me that I have an obsession of the mind. I have this abnormal thinking that's going to come in anytime, whether things are good or things are bad, that are going to tell me that this is just the best thing to do today. Well, it'll make you feel better if you're in a bad spot. Oh, let's celebrate. Everything is going so good. That's the subtle insanity type of thinking that I always had. So either way, I would end up eating and wonder why. Because I have the obsession of the mind. And I was powerless, like Fred here. I landed in on my back. No matter, you know, how smart I was, how much I knew about all of uh, nutrition and diets and medical and this, how much determination I had, how much willpower I had, how much I really wanted to stop eating. I couldn't do it on my own because my sick mind would tell me a lie that it'd be okay and I would believe that lie every time. That is how I am totally powerless. And I need a power that is greater than this sick mind of mine. And that power is God. And how do you find that power? How do you develop that relationship? It's by working the steps. And with that, I'm going to pass, and we've run out of time. And with that, I would like to thank you, thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Hoodie, can you read for us from a vision for you, please? Certainly, Monica. Good morning. This is Hoodie. Um a cover compulsive overeater now in um, New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.